0: Turn to Psalm 115, and I'm going to talk about He's God, or there is no one greater, and there is no other. And that's so important, because we live in a world that is kind of headed toward, there's all kinds of ways, and there's all kinds of things, and, you know, there's many paths, And there are many paths. Somebody said, all of them lead to God. Yeah, in one sense, yeah. Everybody will stand before God. But not everybody will get in. There's only one way in, to heaven and eternal life. And uh, because the Bible said there's a broad path that the world is taking, and there's a narrow path that goes away from the way everybody else is going, and that narrow path is Jesus. And there's such a hostile fight against him. But what's so wild is he's a free gift. He's a solution to an empty heart. And so, if you will, in Psalms 115, uh, we're going to look at a couple of different scriptures along this line. But Psalm 115, it says in verse four, it says, The idols are silver and gold the works of man's hands. It's interesting to me that the Bible talks about not making certain images of God because how can you capture God with your own hands? But isn't it wild that so many other religions have things that they form with hands? And it says they make them out of gold, they make them out of silver. And I'm not bothered if you have a statue of Jesus. I know you're not praying to it right? Okay, just checking, right? And it said they're the works of man's hands. It said they have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. In other words, they have a mouth, but they don't communicate to the people that worship it. They have eyes on it, but they can't see the worshiper that worships it. It goes on in verse 6 and says, they have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, they have, but they do not smell. And it goes on to say, they have hands, but they do not handle. Feet, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. In other words, they can't even grunt. And isn't it wild that so many people serve so many things thinking that's where fulfillment comes. That's where you get it when you do this in life and you do that in life. But he's saying here, every aspect of the senses, you know, that would try to feed a person and whatever you worship, if it's outside of God, it ain't communicating back to you. It's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to affect you. How many people have thought, oh, the grass was greener before I knew the Lord? No, it wasn't, and there's a whole world out there looking for stuff, and it goes on to say, verse 8, those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them, and he basically said here, there's these things that people worship all over the place, And though they give out of their own life and give their worship to them, these other gods or false gods and idols and different things, he said they give of their time. They bow down to them. They all have by visual, you know, on these idols, eyes and different stuff, but they don't give anything back. That's an interesting thing. Anything that's outside of God can truly not give back. No other religion gives back. No other way gives back to people. Even though you can pray a lot, you can do whatever you're supposed to do in those religions, they don't give back. Because why? God alone is God. And there is a response. Turn to 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter, there's a response from God. God is seeking man. God is working toward man. Somebody said, well, it's all the same God. No, the Bible teaches it's not all the same God. World religions are pursuing a way to God. Jesus said, I am the only way. And not only is he the only way, he's actually God-inhabited god inhabited in a body. He's God in the flesh. And so here in 1 Corinthians, Paul was writing to this church that had given their, uh, given their lives to the Lord, but they, um, they weren't perfect, let's put it that way. But I'll tell you what, God loved them. God's love did not change toward them. And you can go through a list of stuff these people were doing totally wrong, but God still loved them with an unchanging love. And then he talks about ministry gifts and how the Spirit of God moves in various ways. He goes through this big teaching structure in the kingdom of God. But right at the beginning, he said this. He talks about how the Spirit moves. 1 Corinthians 12.1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So he's talking about these spiritual ways. I don't want you to be ignorant. And he's going to go on to talk about how God moves in churches and God moves through people's lives and how God puts gifts in people to use them in the kingdom of God. And so these things are real. They have not changed. But then he makes this huge statement here in verse 2 to me. You know. So he's writing and said, you guys know this, what I'm about to say, that you were Gentiles, I mean non-believers, just non-Jewish people in the world, and you were carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. Now, he's not talking about how stupid. You know, when we talk about dumb, we're like, that's so dumb. When he's talking about dumb here, he's not talking stupid he's talking about you know when they used to talk about somebody oh they're dumb it meant they can't speak and so when he's writing here he said you were carried away you followed these idols and uh, he called them dumb idols in other words idols that did not even speak things that can't give anything to you things that can't communicate to you you followed them And you are led away by them. We live in a world that it seems there's a lot of this. A lot of this. In other words, a lot of being led away from things that don't speak, that don't satisfy, that are outside of God, will never bring real fulfillment to them. But people are just going with it. And, you know, they had some people in that church that did the same thing. He said, you followed these gods, these idols that can't even speak, and your whole life was moved by them. And I know this, that God wants people to have an encounter with him. He wants believers to walk with him so he can deal with them. And he will, maybe not the way you would always want him, but he'll deal with you inside in reality. Meaning we can sit here and praise the Lord. We can sense God's presence. We recognize if, you know, we come in maybe a little bit down, it starts to lift. We recognize there is a real spiritual influence and a real spiritual moving of the Spirit here and in other places. Maybe in your car when you pray. Maybe at home when you pray. God does not want himself hidden to the world. You with me? He doesn't like the fact that the world is led away by dumb idols, by things that they worship that can do them no good and will do them no good. And as a matter of fact, will not only do them no good, it will hurt them for eternity. You with me? It will hurt them for eternity. Turn to 1 Kings The 18th chapter, I want to look at something concerning when a time when God saw the world going this way and He confronted them and He did not want them to go after these dumb idols. And there were so many people at this time, the numbers of those who were following God kept diminishing and diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. And And the voice of the world and the worldly ways. Kept increasing and increasing, and God was not unaware of it. And He didn't want them just to hide back and go, Well, we'll let them go their way and we'll just serve God ourselves and we'll know Him. He sent a prophet, a messenger. Notice this in 1 Kings 18, and we'll begin. Actually, we'll read verse 21 first. It says, And Elijah came, verse 21, to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? In other words, go back and forth between the Lord and these idols and these false gods that are out here. What had happened was these prominent voices that were rising up We're now starting to influence the people of God. And they were causing the people of God to start swaying. And they're like, yeah, this, this is the right way. But what about this? And they were going back and forth. And it's interesting what goes on to say. He said, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, this false idol here, he said, follow him. But the people answered and said, not a word. So they're watching this man of God declare, listen, you've got to make a decision. And he said, these things are false. And then it goes on to say in verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I am alone left a prophet or a mouthpiece for the Lord, but Baal's prophets are, are 450 men. What happened was, this whole land that once knew the Lord started giving themselves over to idols. And sometimes when I think, just in experience with some people in the church, or the church world as a whole, the body of Christ, sometimes thinks, yeah, we need to get people saved, but look at how bad all these people are, and they're just going the wrong way. We should never give up hope because God doesn't give up hope on the world. And there are people out there struggling going, these things are not working. I pray and it doesn't fulfill. I seek, I do not find. I give my time, I give my life, but I don't get things back. What I find about some of those people is they'll even fight you on it. And in a quiet time, they'll relent. Meaning this, when I lived in the world, I remember, you know, I was the party person did this, and I remember being at parties and drinking, and I remember this one guy was there, and he wasn't drinking. And uh, I remember, I, you know, wasn't serving God, I was drunk, and I saw this guy just not drinking. And people would think, oh, he's cool, you know, probably didn't know, not him, meaning me or my friends, and I remember getting away from my friends and walking over to this guy, and there might have been a hundred people there. I said, I noticed you're not drinking. He said, no, I don't don't drink. I've only only tried it one time. I don't ever want to drink, and I said, let me just tell you something. You see how we're all partying here? I said, it's not fulfilling. Don't do what I'm doing. I was in the world and thinking I'm having the time of my life, and I knew. How many people are out there doing but knowing the idols, the things that they serve, do not answer them back? In other words, they don't satisfy. They don't do. And so there's a whole world that may fight you for their ways. And there are a lot of people out there fighting for for rights and all this stuff. But deep down, those things are not answering back correctly. They're not doing things for them. And this is what had happened here with these people. Let's read the 17th verse down. It said, then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, just just a few verses before, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Wait a minute. This leader, this guy that's there calls out Elijah and said, hey, you troubler he had the answer. Just because not everybody is warm and fuzzy towards you doesn't mean you don't have the answer they're looking for. That doesn't mean you have to be mean. Elijah didn't say, I'm going to punch you in the nose. Better watch it. He could have said, I'll call down fire on you, but he didn't. He said, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. In other words, isn't it true, even right now in the United States, how many people are saying, these Christians, they're causing trouble. But in all reality, many times it's the voices that are saying, no, no, no. These rights and ways we should have that should be in play are really the things that are causing the trouble. Why? Because they're making people follow after things that will never fulfill because they go against God's ways. God wants people blessed. God wants people in peace. God wants people full of joy. God wants people back in union with him where life is real and life is good. And then when they die, they'll go on to be with him for eternity and not suffer in hell, which if you know the Bible, it says it was not even ever made for man. It was made for the angels that rebelled at the beginning, even though men will go there. It was never intended for them. That was not God's plan. It's not what God wanted. And so here they're calling him a troublemaker, and he said, no, uh, sorry, you are the troublemaker, and you're making trouble throughout the land. He said, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and have followed the Baals, or these idols. Now, therefore, Send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Then verse 20, So Ahab sent to the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Here's what's interesting. God was concerned with the state of the world. He was concerned with the state of the people. He knew that they were following stuff that was detrimental to them, that was hurtful to all of society. That's why the Bible said, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin becomes a reproach to any land. And what happened was they are going down this wrong path. And so Elijah said, listen, we got to solve this right now. We need a demonstration of God. We need God to do something here, and we'll tell you what we do. And what happens if you read the story, he gives them a chance to build a place where they could put a sacrifice and put an offering on it. And then he said, you guys can pray. And I mean, they're praying all day, and they're cutting themselves. They're doing all this stuff. After several hours of these hundreds of false prophets doing their things, because listen, the worldly things don't answer back. They don't do what people claim they'll do. And so what happened was, finally, he just, he had had enough. I like Elijah. If you go read through the story, he starts mocking him. So he said, that's not nice. Well, I think it's actually pretty cool when he said, where's your God? Is he on a long trip? Is he in a bathroom? Is that why he's not responding to you? I appreciate that. Now, you just don't say that when you don't serve God, but they're, they're doing all, I mean, they're sweating. So then when it's Elijah's turn after nothing happens, and he said, listen, the God who answers by fire, the God who does the work, the God who demonstrates, he's the one you follow. God is still not wanting to hide himself from humanity. And so in the 36th verse... And we won't read this, but 36 through 38, he goes to town and he prays. But before he does, he starts throwing water on his sack. He, he goes, all right, now let's build this. And, and then he said, put water on it. He said, put more water on it. Well, they're supposed to call down fire. They didn't even get a spark with the hundreds. And he's throwing water on it. Put some on there. And he said, build a trench. So it got all full of water. I mean, this is not how you go camping to have a campfire. Put some water on that. No, no, put more. All right, the whole trench is filled. Now what? A lighter? You want a lighter? You're going to need some gas. No, soak it again. And he's calling everybody. Remember, all the children of Israel are there watching. And they've been affected by the world and these false prophets. And then he prays and calls down fire. And it comes down And it torches the whole thing, licks up all the water. I mean, you'd think Elijah was probably going, told you so. Told you. Your God's still in the bathroom. And then they wiped everything out, and it turned everything back. What am I saying? God didn't want the people to vacillate. He was a mouthpiece. He didn't want them going back and forth. He wanted his people full of confidence in him. He didn't want their confidence compromised by the things that are just were permeating the world. And so, he just said, look, I'll do some demonstrating. And you know, God hasn't changed. And it's sad that maybe in some places, people have come to the place where God doesn't do the things he said he once did. The bad thing about that is, is those who are on the inside are on the inside and go, I'm good. Those who are on the outside are looking for something to distinguish what they have and what we have. And we know God doesn't just demonstrate with fire or with physical healings or infilling of the Spirit, but conviction, real heartfelt work of the Spirit We recognize that. We recognize there is not just outward demonstrations. There's inward work he does in people's lives. And he was trying to help these people to get rid of the stuff that was harming them, not by just getting rid of it. But I'll tell you what, if nobody's buying the idols, idol makers go out of business. If nobody's going to a fortune teller because they know how to pray and look and inquire in the Word of God and get an answer, and they recognize that those things are false and you really can get an answer, they close up shop. You with me? They close up shop. And so a lot of times people are fighting symptoms instead of finding the cure who is Jesus. People are fighting against abortion clinics and stuff like that. If you change the people, you change the outcome. And people are fighting against the government. We should be praying for the government. But you, you change the people, and I guarantee you, they will push up out of their crowd. You ever seen like a winning team? You know, after a sporting event, they're running around, they push up the star. You know what I'm talking about? You get enough people changed in the United States, they will push up somebody that represents them. So we shouldn't freak out about what's going on. We should just recognize this. God wants to show his power. God wants to demonstrate himself to you, whether it's a real strong inward witness, whether it's his presence in this place, whether it's while you're inquiring of him. He wants you to put your trust in his word. You with me? He wants you to go, no more of everything else, but here it is. And then he wants you to know, hey, go get those other people. They're looking. And it's interesting, he called all the people together because he wanted to settle this stuff up. God has no pleasure in people being in bondage. God has no pleasure in people dying and going to hell. Even if we go, you know, because we, when I say we, I mean people in general, they'll say, you're telling me that God paid for Adolf Hitler? He paid for everybody. And people get mad. Well, what if he would have given his life to the Lord after he killed all those people? Well, listen, everybody's in the same boat. They all need a Savior. You with me? But God doesn't want people to be without witness. He does not want society to move along day after day where he's not doing stuff. I need to be careful, but this person's not here today. Uh, They've just started coming to the church, and they're out of town, so this is about ready to tell who this is. But they were talking to one of the people in the church, could be male or female, that didn't throw anything off, and they said, you know, I've been going to this one church, but what's wild is when I come to this church, I've been going to that church since I was a kid, I sense God throughout the service. Oh my, every church should be that way, not that we're be- we're not better than other people, we're just another church, but, or part of the kingdom, but man. God wants witness of himself in people. So it's not just you arguing with them. Because see, Elijah had his part to mock. Okay, now I'm not saying that's your part. But to say, hey, God will do something in your life is not beyond God to challenge people. Man, if you're miserable, God will do something. Either you receive him or come to the church and find out about him. He will do something in you. He will. And it's not about me, and it's not about the music team, and it's not about everybody who serves and prays. It's about God and what God does. And it's interesting that Paul, knowing the Scriptures as well as he did, because he knew the Old Testament Scriptures, I mean... If you were going to have an argument with anybody, you don't want it to be with him. Period. Because he knew. But even in him knowing all the Old Testament scriptures and recognizing how God moved in the Old Testament, turn to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. He makes this statement about his preaching. And he didn't just rely on good sayings. Hey, I'm for good sayings if, especially if, I guess I would say, if it helps you to remember a real truth. You know, I heard one guy years ago say this, don't let a setback make you sit back, but have a comeback. Well, that stuck with me. And, and I'm okay with that, with things that would help you go, yeah, don't quit. Keep going. You know, I think there are Maybe you could add a little bit more to that, but then it would become a paragraph, and it would be harder to remember. Like, well, he said something like, and then you do this, and then you do that, and then you do this, and then you do whatever. But a short, small something can help. But Paul even recognized in that, if that is what it is, it's got to be in line with truth. And this is why um, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 4 through 5 and this is Paul preaching to these people. These guys were maybe halt between two places. They were kind of full of bitterness, but they were loved of God. They were doing stuff not right, and uh, they were following false doctrine in this church. There was all kinds of stuff happening. But God loved them. God was for him. He was helping. He didn't want them to stay that way. But it's interesting, Paul writing to them, and he said, in my speech... And my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. In other words, I'm just not using big words. I'm not just using flashy words to get things across to you. But here's what I'm doing. But my words are with demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So he said, There is a way to speak, there is a way to do something where God will demonstrate His power and demonstrate things by His Spirit. We do know that the Bible said if you'll preach the Word, God will work with you and confirm things through certain accompanying signs that are mentioned there in Mark 16. This is not just for people who stand up here on Sunday morning, but it's anybody Who will proclaim the truth can know that God will back them. Why? God is in the business of wanting to draw people, help people, fulfill them, get them saved. He's in business for people. God's whole plan, this may seem odd, for Him coming to the earth was not to get this church started and then just lock it at a certain place. It's just to keep reaching people. It was beyond this building, beyond other buildings. It was for humanity. And so here he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom in man, or in fancy sayings, or tricky, you know, good, hey, you know, I'm I'm not even good at some good words. So if if we don't get this part, I'm in trouble. And so, in other words, meaning him working. He said that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God or in God and his ability. That's where God wants your faith. And he said that I preach this way and God works and does things so that you don't have to be all over the road with your faith. It can be fixed, it can be right, it can be in him. And then, he doesn't want it just you to have your business in order. He wants you to help other people come to know him too. And what I find interesting is he said, Listen, it shouldn't just be with fancy things, catchy phrases, good illustrations which I'm for all of them. But, he said, there needs to be a demonstration of the Spirit. When push comes to shove, God's got to be working. And I promise you this, God is going to keep working in our midst, and he's going to work stronger and stronger as we cooperate with him more and expect more. I would say we should get our lives where we're like, I'm going for this. We know him. I mean, it can't be week after week that we don't recognize him doing something here. And so there's that point in life where we go, you know what, it's, it's go time. And then not only is it go time, it's share time. It's helping those other ones that are following dumb idols, like you followed once, before you walked with God. How many of us have done that at some point, thought, I'm just a religious person. I I just love God. And then come to find out they weren't doing for me what He can do, meaning the things of life. And so I would say this, we should be bold with our faith. Knowing this, God is interested in people. There's probably people you talk to all the time that may fight you. I had that when I worked in the world. I remember this one guy, He would argue with me at work all the time. He had a nickname for me, and um, for different people, like this one guy was bad, so he's like Satan, and then he'd see me, he's all, Jesus, how you doing? And uh, thank you um, for, just mocking all the time. I mean, I remember we were doing a golf course, and building it and they had finally put in the greens and done this and there was lakes and stuff and they were like wow that was real shallow and they made fun of this guy because he's real short and they said well you'd have a tough time even walking on the water because they would say you'd need a ladder to climb up the curb and then get over there and they said well maybe you could do it jesus and so i said no probably not and then i called him satan and he said uh He said, I'm not so bad. He said this. The first person I ever said that. He said, you know, I used to go to the Episcopal church. And, uh, but I, he said, I'm more pagan. So he said, I'm probably what you'd call an (laughs) Episcopagan. I thought, all right. And he would just mock me and mock me in front of people and make fun. And, and I messed around with him, but he did. And, uh, you know, I talked to him about coming. His dad passed away. And, uh. He called me on the phone, just bawling. He said, I make fun of you all the time. I know I do, but I watch you. I know what you got's real. And he's crying, saying, What do I do? I said, Go to hell, you making fun. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Sorry. No, this is a true story. Now, that's not true. I I started talking to him. But a true story, there's a pastor I know in Southern California, barely saved, and he was working the telephones at TBN, you know, the big Christian TV thing. And this person called and was really depressed and was like, I'm going to commit suicide. And he kept trying to get them to listen to him. And finally, they wouldn't listen to him. He said, well, then just go kill yourself and hung up on them for real. So moral of the story is don't call TBN if you're, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But anyway, I did. I told him, hey, listen, I I realized there are people just out there like that who they may be making fun of you. They may be opposing you, but they're watching. And he literally said, you know, what do I do? And so I explained what to do. He hung up and eventually his wife called me the next day and said, he won't talk to me. He keeps talking to you. Will you tell me what's going on? And he asked me to do his dad's funeral, and I even told him, I know your dad was not saved, and uh, so I can't get up there and lie. He said, I don't want you to. I want you to tell the rest of the people the truth. And here he is fighting the whole time. But deep down, he knew. It's like these people with these idols. Deep down, people know what works and doesn't work. So don't be afraid to stand your ground, even if one of them said, troublemaker. No, I'm not the troublemaker. I'm bringing a solution, just like he was.